it's a massive pub, but it feels simultaneously really classic, but also kind of cool, but not cool in the way that makes you want to like rip your hair out. Hi, I'm Molly and welcome to Restaurant Recommendations with Foodism. I just got back from New Zealand because it's the opposite side of the world. It's summer there at the moment. So I just spent three weeks on the beach, cooking on the barbecue, fishing, and then like cooking the fish that we'd caught like two hours before. One of the things that I realized on this trip was how well my family and I eat when we're on holiday and when we're all cooking. My partner's parents actually came over from England um, and I think they were pretty <laughs> blown away by the meals that we managed to whip up and what is a kitchen like the size of like a closet. Like it's got this like rusty old oven and stove that I think has been kicking about since like the 80s. Yeah, we managed to just eat so well. And if we do manage to catch fish, that's just such a great kind of bonus as well. But mainly it's just great meat from the Westmere Butcher, which is the butchery around the corner from where I grew up in central Auckland. Best butchery in the world. I stand by that. If you're ever in New Zealand, I swear it's like a tourist destination. You've got to go on there and buy some of their sausages or like their peri-peri chicken, which I think is probably like one of my death row meals. So that was a gorgeous month. I flew back into London at the start of this week and I have been jet lagged and a little delirious ever since. Um, I think coming from 28 degree heat to negative three is an experience, but I managed to crawl out of my little cave last night and went to this great dinner at Boca de Lupo hosted with Rachel Roddy, who's an incredible food writer who lives in Rome. So she kind of focuses on Italian food and the experience of kind of an expat living and cooking in Rome. And she put out this book last year, I think it was, called An A to Z of Pasta, which is yeah, just a really great kind of approach to Italian food and pasta in particular, really interesting, kind of focuses on the regional cuisine and whatnot. Again, sort of different dishes from different regions of Italy and then some really amazing wine pairings, which I think actually it was literally A-N-A-T-O-Z and I'm pretty sure from memory each letter was related to the wine pairings rather than the dishes. Um, and we ate also buco, which is my favorite thing ever, 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 ever. It's like just slow cooked meat with like a really umami, savory kind of sauce that comes with it. And then buttery, saffrony, mm, just delicious risotto it is genuinely one of my favorite things to eat. Definitely from Italian food, but also just in general. Speaking about finding joy and being in London. That relates quite well to this week's listener dilemma from Rohan, who says, just visiting London, where is the best place for a pub slash bar crawl? We'll definitely want to get food at some point too, which is great because I think pubs are one of the few good reasons to live in this city. And I love this question because I am nothing if not a booze hound and I love a pub crawl. And I think that there are some really great little pockets of London with some really amazing pubs in close proximity to each other. Going to be honest, the, we definitely want to get some food at some point too is throwing a little bit of a spanner in the works because <laughs> you don't know how drunk you're going to be at the end of this Rohan. But um, try my best to come up with some good options for stuff that will soak up the beer. So my first suggestion is the kind of Farringdon, Clerkenwell area. Some of my favorite pubs in London are around there. Um, so you've got the Jerusalem Tavern, which is this really 
cute, tiny, dinky little pub that you'd just kind of feel like you could be back in like the 1800s. No electricity, uh, really kind of low lights, great kind of selection of beers on tap, just kind of no fast, great pub that, yeah, you could just kind of leave the world outside its doors for a wee while. So that's a great option. The recently reopened Three Compasses, which kind of sits on the walk up from Farringdon Station, that has been renovated and has one of last year's hottest new restaurants above it called Bouchon Racine, which is an amazing new French restaurant. And then the three compasses downstairs is their pub. So you kind of benefit from the kind of wine list and the attention to detail from the restaurant upstairs. It's also a great snacks menu. So if you kind of got there at that point and you were hungry, you could order off the snacks menu. But again, it's it's a massive pub, but it feels simultaneously really classic but also kind of cool but not cool in the way that makes you want to like rip your hair out they've got good drinks on the menu and they do a good guinness uh and yeah it's a really great pub again it's super cozy despite its size and if you're a bit of a wanker like me and you don't want wine and you don't want beer they do a really good martini which i think is probably sacrilege on a pub crawl but do you know what whatever sometimes i want a martini and they're on Exmouth Market. You've got the McKellar Brew Bar. And McKellar is one of my favorite breweries. There was a summer where I think I was like entirely drinking only their passion fruit sour, which was a great summer beer. But yeah, I love their beers. And that brew bar obviously has a lot of their stuff on tap. Yeah, there are lots of great pubs around the area and a lot of great kind of food destinations as well. But if I was you and I was a little bit tiddly after going to a few pubs and I wanted something to eat, I would just go into the bar at St. John and get a Welsh rabbit and a pint of Guinness because I don't think that there is any better place to feel like you're holy and entirely in London. My second recommendation is Soho. I think some people have a mixed relationship with Soho. I personally love it. Um, I think that some of the city's most interesting places to eat and drink are in Soho. And I think it, when you know where to look, there are some really in- incredible pubs. You've got the Coach and Horses, but the good one, the right one, the good Coach and There's a few Coach and Horses in like the Soho, Central London area. And the good one, which is the Coach and Horses on the corner of Greek and Romilly Streets. This is, I think, one of my favorite pubs in London. You walk in and, it, yeah, again, it just kind of feels timeless. I'm probably showing my industry here because it's kind of a classic haunt for a lot of journos, or at least it used to be. But it is just a really good pub. They do a really good pint of Guinness. They've just got some really classic kind of beers on. But I don't know, the, the people that own it and the guys behind the bar just really managed to kind of maintain a great energy in the space I think it's a great mishmash of people you'll always come across people that live in the city that kind of frequent Soho as much as you all people who are visiting and it never kind of feels like there's a clash between those two I love it and it kind of gets raucous without feeling like grossly rowdy then kind of down the street you've got the French house who famously only ever do half pints Given the name, you know, they do some great French ciders. You're not coming here for craft beer. You're coming here for like a really classic London experience. You're going to be packed in like a can of sardines in the best way possible. And kind of little half pints makes you feel like you're not drinking as much, even though you definitely are. So you feel a little bit more virtuous. Again, it's just kind of one of those classic London pubs that I'm not really sure if it could exist as it does anywhere else. And again, a really great combination of people and, and humans and people from various walks of life, which I love. Something that I actually love about all of these pubs in Soho is that probably once upon a time they were full of kind of like old, classic, hard-going Sohoites who have, you know, been kind of drinking and dining and having good time in Soho forever and ever and ever. And then as the kind of groups of younger people have kind of come in, 
there's still just a real appreciation for these places rather than a kind of trying to make them something they're not. And so it kind of never feels like there's like a cultural clash or, you know, like a kind of difference in generations going on. It makes it feel very timeless. And then if you want to go to the place that everybody is talking about at the moment, then you can go to the Devonshire, which opened towards the end of last year. And you've probably seen it all over Instagram because I think every man and their dog has gone there. But for good reason, it is a great pub. Um, Oshin Rogers, who is the, I don't know what you kind of call him, I guess the landlord, even though it kind of feels like a weird word to use for it, is, yeah, a kind of a legend in the pub world. He used to be the head of the Guinea Grill in Mayfair, which is also a great pub. And yeah, he opened the Devonshire after a long time of kind of prepping and planning towards the end of last year. And it has that kind of great formula, very similar to the French house of a great pub downstairs and a really good sort of hefty, hearty food restaurant upstairs. In the case of the Devonshire, that's just lots of incredible grilled meats and, you know, fresh longestines and stuff like that. But the pub downstairs is, it's kind of annoying how good it is because everyone has been there. But again, they're there for good reason. They do a great pint of Guinness. I actually was on a work trip to Dublin once and Oshin happened to be there and he was friends with the people who I was on the trip with. So he came to the pub with us for a drink and he was telling me about the kind of science of pouring a pint of Guinness and all of the thought that goes behind it, even down to kind of like the regular cleaning of the pints that the Guinness goes through and how you can tell what's a good pint of Guinness. And some people probably think that that level of thought behind was essentially a pint is a bit wanky, but I found it really fascinating. And it's pretty obvious that the thought that he's put into it really shines through at the Devonshire because, yeah, it's a fucking great pint of Guinness, which is super annoying <laughs> because, you know, when everyone goes somewhere and you kind of want it to be not good so that you can not have to go, but it is actually really that good. So then you kind of do want to go, but you don't want to have to deal with the crowds. But I think it's a must do if you're doing a pub crawl through Soho. And obviously I would say you should get Guinness. And then once you've kind of suitably filled yourself up with various types of beer, I would go across to Chinatown and get some food there to kind of soak it all up. You've got lots of options there. My personal favorite restaurant in Chinatown is Food House. Um, I have been known to go in there after one too many pints in Soho. Their fried rice is incredible. Their kind of house fried rice, which has two different types of pork in it, which is everything I ever want after too much beer. But I also love Wong K. Um, it's cash only, so make sure you go to an ATM before you go. And I also love Dumplings Legend um, if you just kind of fancy going and eating your weight and dumplings. So I feel like personally for me, I've done that pub crawl and that subsequent meal many times in my life. And I think there are a few better ways to spend a day or an afternoon in central London. Lastly, uh, this is not, I can't take any credit for this. This is not an original suggestion, but there's a reason why it's a classic and there's a reason why everyone does it is the Bermondsey Beer Mile. If you are a craft beer hound, I think this is where you've you got to go. And if, you, if you're a craft beer hound and you don't fancy moving very far, <laughs> then this is where I'd go. They've got so many amazing breweries down there. They've got Cloudwater, they've got Kernel, they've got Four Pure, and they've also got the Barrel Project, which has a kind of collection of some of the UK's breast breweries rotating on tap there. It is probably going to be filled with people who wear round glasses and half sip fleeces and trainers that are definitely made for hiking routes but for whatever reason they wear them in the middle of the city but you know you just got to embrace that that's the vibe that's the craft beer kind of 
yeah, it's, it, it is what it is, but it's super fun. And you really go for the breweries. You go for good beer. If that's kind of what you're after, you don't want just to be going through various pints of Peroni and Asahi and the token craft beer tap, which is inevitably going to be a beaver town, then this is where I'd come. In terms of going for food after the Bermondsey Beer Mile of the World, it's kind of your oyster. You could go a little bit east towards Rotherhithe and go to La Chingada, which is this incredible Mexican restaurant. Kind of in the middle of like no man's land. This is a super residential area. There's not loads going on around there, but La Chingada is, I think, probably one of the best Mexican restaurants in London, just purely by way of the fact that it's in rather high that doesn't get kind of as much attention or it's not frequented as much, which is actually great. You know, it keeps it kind of what it wants to be and what it is and it doesn't get caught up in trying to be something else. But the food is incredible. Or you could go west and you could go into Borough Market where you could probably just about find any food you wanted. But if I was going to Borough Market and needed to soak up some booze, I would either get the freaking huge, like gargantuan chorizo sandwich that they do from the Grandisa shop. They have like a little stall set up outside it. And yeah, they kind of, I think it's like little ciabatta bun, little big ciabatta buns. And then they cut them open and they just pack them with like so much grilled chorizo. Like you're like, no, no person needs this much pork, but it's good. And then I think it, it's literally just chorizo, rocket, a bit of olive oil and salt packed together. Oh my God, it's so good. And it is just so much food. And yeah, it'll probably be sober after you eat it because it will just, this, it'll just be so much in your tummy soaking up all of that beer. Um, or I'd go to the Black Pig. Again, same kind of concept, massive pork-filled sandwiches. Another suggestion, which is a little bit, will require a little bit more planning. My partner does this a lot. Him and his friends pick a different tube line and kind of do like a tube crawl where they'll get off at kind of subsequent stops and go to a pub near the station and then get back on and go to the next one. It's a great way to kind of explore London. But I think if you're a visitor, it's better to wander around and kind of do it on foot. So I'm trying to kind of keep these to, to condensed areas. Those are probably my top suggestions for you. Right. Well, Rohan, I hope you have a very fun, boozy day. And if you at home have any restaurant recommendations or dining dilemmas you would like some help with, then please do email us on our brand spanking new email, molly at tinypodcasts.co.uk. And I will see you next week for more tasty little scenarios. I'm Molly Kodaya, and this is Restaurant Recommendations with Foodism. Bye. To get the beautiful print edition of Foodism straight to your door for free every other month, head to foodism.co.uk slash subscribe.